大家晚上好，这里是正在为您。Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. The annual session of the National People's Congress kicked off this week, and right at the start, it was revealed that China is going to spend 1.1 trillion yuan, roughly 142 billion euros, on its military this year. That's 8.1 percent more than in 2017. The rise of the defense budget is bigger than in the last two years, but less than the double-digit growth figures we often saw in the past. So, what do these 8.1 percent tell us about China's military and its defense strategy, and how is the money spent? Hello, I'm Ruth Kirchner, and to discuss these questions, I'm joined by Helena Legarda, a research associate at Merrick's here in Berlin. Welcome, Helena, to the Merrick's studio. 8.1 percent more for the military—is that actually a lot? Or little by Chinese standards, it's actually quite substantial. So, as you mentioned, it's it's a higher growth than it was in in previous years, and it's also interesting to note that the GDP growth target for this year is six point five percent. So, it's supposed to grow faster than the Chinese economy. And、uh, how reliable are these figures? Because、uh, for quite some time, people have said uh, that uh, the defense budget doesn't really reflect、uh, the real expenditure for the Chinese military. So, how reliable the figures are is debatable. However, the Chinese government doesn't provide a breakdown of the figure. So, what we do know is that a lot of expenditures are apparently not included in in this amount of money. So, for example. Costs for the space and missile program are supposed to not be counted here. Another interesting example: China's Coast Guard, which runs a lot of the operations in the South China Sea, is not part of the PLA. It's actually under the Ministry of Land and Resources, so it's very likely that the budget for the Coast Guard is not included in this in this figure.、Uh, there's also issues related to、uh, military procurement. And to civil military integration,、uh, which are also thought to not be included here, so it's very likely that the figure is substantially higher than what they've announced. So we know that、uh, China, in the past, or in the past few years, has used some or a lot of that money to modernize its military.、Uh, that、um, military modernization drive is ongoing. So, what do you think、um, is the money going to be spent on this year? I think this year and for the next few years to come, it's going to be spent exactly on that, on modernization. So new equipment, new capabilities, training opportunities, etc. As Xi Jinping said during the 19th Party Congress, and he's announced again during the MPC, and official media keeps saying over and over again, is that the goal is to complete the modernization of the PLA by 2035, and to have a military that is world class by mid-century. So. 2049, the 100th anniversary of the founding of the People's Republic of China. So, what that means is that a lot of money is going to continue to go into new capabilities for the PLA, most likely for the Navy, but also for the Air Force. And what is all this for? I mean, this modernization drive. What is the goal? Well, as I mentioned, is to create a modern PLA that is a world-class force. What that means,、uh, we can we can talk about. But I think the idea is to build up the military. That can, and I'm quoting here, fight and win wars, and that is commensurate with China's international standing. So they want to have a military that can protect China's interests overseas, protect China's investments along the along the Belt and Road, and they claim also protect international peace and order. 
But uh, China for many years has insisted that its military is um, purely of a defensive nature. Um, under Xi Jinping recently, has, has that changed at all with all this expenditure and this modernization drive? So that hasn't officially changed. The PLA is still mostly focused on defense, but it, it has changed a little in what it considers defense. So it's gone from defending the Chinese mainland, the Chinese territory sort of working only around the neighborhood to going global. And the idea is that as China becomes more and more important internationally, Chinese people go overseas, Chinese companies invest overseas. And a lot of this is driven by the Belt and Road Initiative. The PLA needs to go with it and protect Chinese interests abroad. And uh, where then does China see its main enemies? Good question. Uh, <laughs> I don't think China would call anybody an enemy, but I think it's quite clear that the United States is an adversary. You have U.S. alliances with, with Taiwan, with Japan, with countries in the South China Sea. China, I think, definitely feels sort of constrained by U.S. presence in, in its neighborhood. So I would say probably the U.S. is what China considers its main adversary. And then do you think that there's a heightened risk then of a big power uh, confrontation between the US and China, um, especially in the Asia Pacific? I want to say no, but I guess the actual answer should be sure. As China becomes more powerful and operates overseas more and more, it's going to encounter foreign militaries more often. This will be, of course, the US military, especially the US Navy, but not exclusively. I don't think China is looking for a conflict, neither the US is looking for a conflict, but I think with more contact comes higher risk of friction, for sure. If we then look at uh, both countries, the US and uh, the Chinese capabilities, how does China compare um, militarily or technology-wise with the US? I think in general, the US still comes out on top on most issues and most platforms. Um, however, with all the money that China is throwing into the military, into research, into developing civil military integration projects and sort of harnessing the power of Chinese technology firms. A lot of people are saying that on certain platforms, they are achieving near parity. However, when you compare overall, I think the United States still comes out on top. But for many years, analysts said that the Chinese were like, what, 20, 30 years behind the US. So uh, that's no longer true? No, I would say that's no longer true. China's investing a lot. They are importing a lot less. They used to import a lot of weapons from Russia mostly. And now for the last, I think, couple of years, China is exporting more weapons than it's importing. So China is now able to produce a lot of the components that it used to import. China is now a lot more advanced. I would not say China is 20, 30 years behind anymore. This is Merrick's Experts. My guest today is Helena Legada, a research associate at Merix here in Berlin. We're discussing China's defense budget and military modernization. Now, you said um, China wants to protect its interests, uh, especially along the Belt and Road. Um, it's projecting power. Is that then to intimidate others? Is it projecting power just because it can? I think it's probably a combination of things. Of course, the official explanation is the PLA is going abroad to protect Chinese interests and Chinese citizens to protect trade routes for everybody to use. However, I think there's probably some of that as well. Um, there's been, for example, quite a bit of friction with India recently, and we can discuss whether that just happened or whether China was trying to make a point. But I think there's probably some of that there. 
Uh, friction with India, and uh, can you explain? There were some border disputes near Bhutan, sort of in northeast India, where both India and China accused each other of crossing the border. Um, the tension was diffused, but Indian media are claiming that Chinese troops have set up camp in the region. So what exactly that means, again, as I said, we can discuss, but why are Chinese troops now in that region? Uh, I would say they're probably trying to make a point that they can, that if it came down to conflict, they can stand up for themselves. And there are other regions in the world much further away from China's own borders, where China appears to project power. For example, China has participated in Russian military drills in the Baltics and in the Mediterranean in recent years. Why in that part of the world? Why so close to Europe? I don't have a very good answer to why exactly so close to Europe. Um, I suspect this may have been Russia's preference, but it's definitely also an opportunity for China to practice and to get some operational experience by running combat drills and joint exercises with other navies, in this case, the Russian Navy, and in other environments. So China is no longer just operating in the East and South China Sea. China's trying to get experience elsewhere. They've been based off the coast of Somalia for quite a while during counter-piracy operations. Now they've even opened up a military base, or as they call it, a logistics support facility in Djibouti. So the Mediterranean and the Baltics are sort of logical steps when you when you think of it that way, that China is just kind of moving further and further away and seeing how far it can go and what it can do and trying to gain some, some experience. So we should brace then ourselves for more um, Chinese uh, military activity uh, far away from the Chinese borders? Yes, absolutely. I'm not certain that this will be in the Mediterranean or the Baltics. But yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more PLA activity further away from China's borders. Uh, I think the, the bulk of it is probably going to be in the Indian Ocean and in sort of the East African region, but this doesn't mean that they can't go elsewhere. Any reason then for Europe to be worried about these Chinese activities or about uh, China's military spending overall? Well, I think this all depends on, on the country you're looking at, but in general, a big country with a big military modernizing and operating further and further away for its shores It should definitely be something that Europe should keep an eye on. There can be clashes with European interests or individual member states' interests in various places. Chinese military sort of operators running activities further away from China also means that they are going to encounter European militaries more and more often. And sure, there are some opportunities for cooperation, as we've seen, for example, with counter-piracy operations or peacekeeping operations, but there's also opportunities for friction and for tension. So Europe should keep an eye on this for sure and have some sort of plan on how to engage China if this were to happen. So Europe needs to come up with a plan on how to deal with a more modern, more confident PLA that is ready and willing to project power well beyond China's borders. Helena, thanks a lot for your analysis and insights. That was Helena Legarda, Research Associate at Merix here in Berlin. Merix and the International Institute for Strategic Studies in London, IISS, have recently started a joint project tracking and analyzing China's defense and security policies and the PLA's developments. You can find details of the China Security Project on our website. For the time being, thanks for listening and bye for now. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, 
please visit us at merricks.org.